0: This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson.
1: Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. We have to make farming profitable. That was the announcement from Secretary Tom Vilsack of the United States Department of Agriculture. This was recently echoed with our own director, Gary McDowell, the director of the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. The old saying of when your outgo exceeds your income, it will be your downfall. Truer words are never spoken and certainly wavering markets, tariff wars, and one-sided trade agreements all make farming in particular and agribusiness in general volatile. Yet we understand that we have record amounts of people in America that are food insecure, approaching 50 million according to estimates of Feeding America. We push the threshold of 2 million people here in Michigan who are food insecure, and that's out of a population of just over 10 million. We know this. The only thing that solves hunger is food. Therefore, it is logical to state, solving hunger starts in the field. It starts with farmers, families, and the seeds they plant that feed us all. American farmers feed the world, and Michigan farmers who grow everything from corn to cucumbers make our state the second most diverse state regarding the variety of things grown. We do all this in a short growing season each year and over a hundred Michigan farmers partner with the Food Bank Council of Michigan and our food banks to make sure the families we serve have access to fresh, healthy foods. The state of Michigan and the Food Bank Council partner on a line item that allows the Food Bank Council to purchase the seconds, the uglies, if you will, from Michigan growers and ranchers via a grant called MASS, the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System, was the first of its kind in America. And Jerry and I are back with one of our Michigan farmers who participates in the MASS program and helps feed Michigan families We will unpack this program and its impact for you next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson joins me here. Jerry, um, welcome to Food First, as always.
2: It's always good to be here with you, doctor. Uh, You know, I I would just say there's nothing more fun in the week than getting on this show and talking about a serious issue with people who also have a good sense of humor. So uh, you know what, we're, we're delighted to be here today.
1: Well, as promised, our guest is Erwin Stima, who uh, is, a, is a farmer, is an owner of a farm, Steema Potato Farm up in Polson, Michigan. And anybody doesn't know where Polson's at, they're just, sh- I don't know, I just can't explain why nobody would not know where Polson's at. So Erwin, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> to the show just north of Thunder Bay. Uh, and uh, First thing I have to say is thank you for your partnership with the Food Bank Council and for all that you're doing to help us create a food secure state. Uh, You, your family, your farm has been a tremendous help to us through the years and we're happy to have you as our guest today. So welcome to Food First Michigan.
0: Okay, no, thanks for uh, inviting me on, and and, uh, we're we're just happy to be here, and uh, as a family and as a business, we're really happy to participate and help uh, in in a small way, even with uh, all the huge uh, work that the Food Bank Council does within the state and even within this region, so.
2: Well, we're delighted to have you with us and you know, it helps so many people. And I will tell you potatoes are one of the most popular things that people want, believe it or not. Everybody loves a good potato. And uh, you know, how long have you been in the business? Tell us a little bit about the farm and and your story.
0: Well, uh, my family has been farming uh, up in this region for uh, close to four generations. Uh, my uh, my parents started uh, our farm in the early 50s, the one that my brother and I currently run, and uh, we we began as a dairy and just a crop farm, growing a little bit of everything, but probably in the early 70s, my parents uh, started expanding just the, the potato aspect of it a lot more. Having some commercial packing equipment and uh, catering to retailers within the state in the upper Midwest, and it's just grown from there to the point where we've got a kind of a year-round commercial packing facility coupled up with uh, with our farm and uh, and and a small trucking business as well that complements it. So, so we've been at it since the early 50s, and my brother and I now are the second generation. So.
1: So uh, Gary McDowell, you know, the director for the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development, he was our guest on the show recently, and he told us a story about his farm and his, and working with his, he has two brothers, I think, and they own the farm together, and both his brothers contributed greatly to Gary's campaign to become a legislator and really advanced him as the director of agriculture, and they did that so that Gary wouldn't be on the farm in order to work on the equipment. So I'm just wondering how you and your brother get along in that. Uh, but it sounds like a great family history. And, again, you're helping to feed a lot of folks, uh, both at the retail side but also through the charitable donations that you guys make uh, to the Food Bank Council. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's great to have you here, and we're thankful for your heritage and your history and uh, that you're continuing and it's growing. So, uh, just tell us a little bit about that. Your bro- you and your brother, how are y'all getting along doing this? And uh, and then uh, let's 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 see what we can uh, explore next on uh, on how we can create a food secure Michigan together.
0: Uh, well, my brother and I uh, both uh, went to work for for my dad. Uh, you know, early in our lives after school and you know and uh so we we grew up in it, and both kind of had a passion for it and uh you know we we both uh we handle different aspects of the di- of the business because there's uh there, there is a lot of different moving parts in, in managing all the different aspects. So we, we, uh, we divvy them up and, and, and go about it that way. And I, I won't say that there hasn't been challenges, but uh, who hasn't faced a lot of challenges over time? And we've been fortunate. We've been able to work through them and uh, just just push ahead. And, uh, and uh, I, I, over the long haul, we've been grateful we have. Well, if he encourages you to run for
1: public office, you'll just know where that came from. It's, it was Jerry was yep. McDowell. So uh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, Jerry, you said uh, a moment ago that potatoes are very important to the uh, in the pantry network and one of the most requested items. We know milk to be right up there, but I imagine that potatoes aren't far behind. And uh, and and so it's it's part of the staple uh, staple uh, as far as all the food that gets distributed by the food banks
2: yeah one of the most important things that we have on our menu all the time potatoes and sweet potatoes um, and uh, and people love them but they last a while right so if you store them properly they last a while and that's one of the reasons people like them they're healthy they're nutritious and they don't spoil right away and so uh, when you're trying to manage a family on a very tight budget, it's nice to have potatoes around uh, to help you, you know, put meals together. And and I don't know how many different ways there are to make potatoes. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it, dozens at least. I mean, I I'm sure it's way more than that. But uh, but our families really appreciate them. And uh, you know, my my question is this: How how how's the harvest? How how was last year? How are you looking for? you know uh for things coming up are you did, did the rain you know in the last couple of years really hold you back some or, or are you doing okay uh,
0: our, our production has been relatively consistent the last 3 seasons so we've been we've been uh, fortunate in that respect there were certain areas of the state that really got pummeled uh, a, a year ago and we came through it pretty well and we had an, an average uh, harvest with very high quality last year, which was the, the when the pandemic first hit, it really uh, benefited us because we were able to jump in and really help a lot of people. It, 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 you know, retailers and the food banks, when the demand kind of skyrocketed for the, for the fresh potatoes specifically, mm-hmm. uh, this, this uh, last season, which would have been the 20 harvest, we did have a, a, about three or four percent abandonment on our farm because of some heavy rains and frosts that came in and hit us at the end but but production still we were running slightly above average on a per acre basis, so we didn't relative to the year before we didn't lose anything uh, so so we're grateful to have come through it uh, as good as we have uh. I tell people all the time I don't have to look very far to see someone that has, you know, is, is uh, struggling in, in ways more than me. So you got to, you know, we try to keep things in perspective and, uh, and push ahead, you know.
1: That's, that's awful. He's Irwin Stima. He's the owner of the Stima Potato Farm in po- Poston, Michigan. He's our guest today. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back with another segment here on Food First Michigan in just a moment.
0: contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, chairman of the board of directors for the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And uh, Jerry, we've been doing this show for over three and a half
2: years together. So can you believe that? I mean, you know, you've you've stuck with me longer than anyone, Phil, at least as
1: far as media goes. No doubt. Well, it's radio. Nobody has to look at us. So radio and a podcast. So our guest today is Erwin Steema. He is the owner of the Steema Potato Farm in Poston, Michigan. He's also one of our our colleagues, one of our partners. And um, let's see if we can connect dots here, Jerry, because one of the ways that we're able to partner with um, our Michigan farmers and we have at the Food Bank Council over a hundred that we partner with and Irwin is certainly one of the top ones and um, we take a, 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 a grant from the state of Michigan uh, the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System and they allow us to take that money and invest it with with farmers in Michigan and receive particularly the produce and we're able to put that into our network, and our food banks are able to distribute that across our pantries, which numbers somewhere around 3,000 and allows us to serve every county in Michigan. So let's, from the food bank perspective, let's take that and connect the dots for us all the way uh, to Irwin and his partnership with us.
2: Well, connecting the dots. There's not too many more to connect. Um, Obviously, what we try to do in food banks is get food either donated or at low cost, uh, because that's one of the the ways that we leverage our systems to try to reach as many people as we can who need help, and and there are over a million uh, food insecure people in Michigan. Um, and, uh, and many of them are children. And so we, we like to say that there's two words that should never go together, right? Child and hunger, those two words should never go together. And so anything that we can do to, to find where food is available either to be donated or, or at the lowest possible cost really helps us reach a lot more of those people that need to be helped. And so the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System was designed to take advantage of um, when there was more food than what there was a market for on farms across the state, and that food was just being left in the field because why pay the price to harvest food that you can't sell? And so, and so, um, in, in an effort to try to, to capture as much of that product as possible or to capture product that has been harvested but unsold, right? Some of it's still in the field and some of it has been harvested. The, the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System helps to capture at least the cost of harvesting and processing that so that the farmer doesn't lose money on the product and the food bank can get it at a low cost. And as a result, um, we're able to leverage a lot of dollars for significantly more food than we could otherwise and it's a good partnership for everyone we like to think of it as a win for the farmer who who you know at least gets his costs covered for having the the product picked up and and or shipped to food banks the food banks win because we get a product at a lower cost the state of Michigan wins because they get to help the farmers and thus the economy but also Help the citizens of Michigan again at a pretty leveraged uh, price, and uh, and so everybody wins, you know, and, and that's just been a beautiful thing. It it was it was a program that 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 started in Michigan. I can't remember how many years ago, but it's quite a few years ago now. And and how many states have copied it, uh, Doctor Phil? So it
1: started in Michigan around '86, '87 and now 38 states have copied michigan was the first state to have this program and now 38 states have copied this uh program like in pennsylvania we call it mass in michigan in pennsylvania they call it pass it's the pennsylvania agricultural surplus system so i don't know what i don't know what maine and uh uh mississippi does because we got mass we we call it that so well that's you know that's why i kind of wanted the food bank picture jerry and i appreciate that but erwin can you talk to us a little bit about how this partnership has worked with you uh, through the through the years with the food bank council from the from really from the growers standpoint
0: well uh one of the things that has really uh, been helpful, and Kath Clark has a term, she uh, calls the produce uh, cosmetically challenged. And <laughs> we, have, uh, we have huge uh, commercial storages that we fill with a raw product every fall. And as we grow or as we process the product over time, we're, we're able to separate it. And uh, the, the huge commercial customers that buy it are really specific about their needs. So we accumulate volumes of certain things that are still very, very usable. And it's as good as any potato that you, you'd buy anywhere. But it just the size or the shape or something like that might not be as specific. But we're able to accumulate that stuff. And then we can talk to someone like the like the mass system, and we've got a commercial packing facility where we can put it in the right size containers and and get it to get it to them at a at a more inexpensive cost. So I, I would agree with uh, what Gary said; it's a win win, and we're happy to be a part of it.
1: Well, that's good to know that. Jerry, when Kath was talking about cosmetically challenged, she wasn't referring to me and you. Uh, at least that
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I, well, I think she could be. She just wasn't that time.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, and then she was talking about potatoes at that particular instance. So, yeah, right. yes. Well, we have a banner in our office, uh, Irwin, that says, uh, we, w- we love your seconds. Uh-huh. Uh, and hey, I guess that's another one, Uglies, Cosmetically Challenged, Seconds. It's, it's product that, as you said, uh, the retail stores, are uh, they don't want to purchase. Uh, so it, 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 it's a way that this can, as Jerry described it, it, it just creates what we hope to be a win for you, a win for the food banks, a win for the state of Michigan, but also, most importantly, a win for the residents that we serve and the families we serve. Um, and again, as yeah. he said earlier, it's one of the most requested items we have in our pantry network. So, uh, you know, it's it's great to be to be a part of a win.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's I'd have no idea about, and maybe and maybe this is a uh, just a, a dumb question, but when you think about the size of your farm and everything, what would be the how much? What's the gross poundage here we're talking about? Is this like? I'm sure this is going to be staggering to me but but, because I I just want people to understand the scope of the of the opportunity and the scope of the need as well.
0: Well, we probably, uh, you know, if we put it in terms of uh, semi-loads, we probably ship, you know, close to 600 semi-loads total a season you know, through our packing facility and I would say that uh, uh, on average we probably distribute thirty or thirty five semi loads to the to the food bank system in Michigan of that that once we grade it out and and regrade it. So right. if you put that, you know, thirty to thirty five trailers times or or multiplied against uh forty two thousand pounds per trailer, you know, you'd you'd get a pretty accurate number of what we just, just what we do in in that's a right. small part of what the food bank system does, but uh, as I said, we're happy to be a part of it.
1: Well, I don't think, it's, I don't think there's anything small about that, and for, you know, for, for maybe just our listeners who maybe don't do this work every day, 35 uh, semi-trailers at 40 two thousand pounds each seems like an awful lot of potatoes to me
0: <laughs> yeah it is no no question you know so there's a lot of families that could have dinner uh, uh, on a budget and have some quality food so yeah we're we're uh, happy to be a part of it and help them along well we appreciate you very much
1: your family pass our appreciation on to your brother as well and uh, everybody who works for you and with you, that uh, we know that, you know, we've gotta make farming profitable in this, in this country. Uh, hopefully we're gonna take some good giant steps toward that uh, economically. But uh, in the midst of all the challenge that farmers have with, with tariffs and, and uh, volatile markets and everything, uh, just salt of the earth, folks like yourself that still care about their hungry neighbors, and still want to come alongside the food banks, and, um, and we just have to say, to end this segment of our time with you, the words don't weigh enough, Erwin, but thank you.
0: Uh, no, you're welcome, and uh, as I said before, as a family and, and personally, we're just happy to be a part of it, and, uh, and uh, uh, one thing in closing, this whole, the, the last year even has been such a tragedy, really, for the whole country that uh, we we're, we're, were just happy that we were here to, to help in a small way, and, and uh, hopefully we can all get back to some normalcy and uh, better times ahead for everybody.
1: Absolutely. We're gonna work to that end for sure. Irwin, thanks for being our guest today. Erwin um, Steema. He is the owner of the Steema Potato Farm in Poston, Michigan, just north of Thunder Bay. Uh, what, between Alpena and Sheboygan, but closer to Alpena, I think, is the way <laughs> yes. I see it. Yeah. So, uh, Jerry and I are back in just a moment. Food
0: first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, that was Irwin Steema. Uh, owner of Steema Farms, and just one of over a 100 farmers that partner with our network to help feed hungry Michiga- Michiganders across the state, that's just potatoes. And this guy's talking 35 loads times 42, 44,000 pounds. That's a lot of food, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of food. But again, there's so many people who are food Insecure in our state, certainly more now than there has been in, in many years. I mean, we had a, a very robust economy for a while, and even in a robust economy, we had over a million people food insecure that, that went up significantly during the pandemic, and it's going to be with us for a while. You know, the economy's in some areas rebounding super well, and, and I think that's awesome. Obviously, that's the best way for people to get by is to have a job that that pays a living wage, and, uh, and they don't need the food banks at all or any other assistance. But there are still quite a few people who are in that place who have you know, work in industries that that aren't coming back as fast or may not come back completely. And so we're still looking at helping a lot of people for a long time. And again, many of the food insecure people in our state are children, in fact. So, you know, one of our biggest priorities is to make sure we reach as many kids as we can, as we continue to go through the recovery process and, uh, and rebuild the economy. So, so, you know, can't imagine doing this without our Michigan farmers can't imagine it
1: right well you mentioned the k style recovery that if you have a certain type of job you're you, you might not ever stopped working through the pandemic or certainly there are different uh, aspects of the of the business uh, and community that are re-engaging now and then uh, then there are parts of the economy that will be very slow to re-engage I mean we we're thinking through June of 2022, we'll have heightened need here in Michigan. There are some estimates that stretch the impact of COVID out to the year 2024. So we're keeping an eye on that because that helps us plan ahead for the future. And even though Erwin uh, and his family are helping us with 1,470,000 pounds of potatoes, that's just one farmer. And again, out of over a 100. And I don't know wow. how many that, that your food bank has, but all the seven food banks have partners of, of, of working with people, farmers in their own region, in their own area that, you know, honestly, that the Food Bank Council doesn't even know hardly know about. This is just the ones that we're working with. And one farmer, almost one and a half million pounds of, of just one product. So, you know, this work is much broader Much bigger, much deeper than probably anybody on the outside would ever imagine.
2: Well, how do you know? I mean, you know, still one of the biggest issues that we face from a communication standpoint is your next door neighbor who's struggling doesn't talk about it. You know, they don't tell you, you know, we're having to use the food bank. If you think about all the conversations you've had in your life with all of the people you've ever known, how many times has somebody said to you the words, you know, we had to use the food bank last month? Yeah, never. I mean, right. It never happens. So people just don't know. And that's okay. That's our job. We have Food First Michigan. We're out here telling everyone we know that well, people that w- aren't, you know. Well, I think
1: you make a great point, And I'll personalize it because, you know, we did a show a couple of years ago about when I had a pretty significant life upset and, um, and me and my two youngest boys, uh, the other two kids were grown and adults, but the younger two were were with me, and, and we struggled quite a bit uh, in our transition. And, I mean, we I, I, I did everything you could do to get a job. I mean, it, but it was in the middle of the recession. It was difficult to get a job. I have a name tag that says Dr. Phil from Walmart, where I hold the record for being probably one of the worst cashiers ever in the history of Walmart, I was so bad at it that they made me the greeter at the door. So, You know, but you do what you have to do to survive. And, uh, and I did exactly what you just described, Jerry. I, I, I never wanted anyone to know that we, got, we were receiving SNAP benefits. I never wanted anyone to know that I still have my snap card now thankfully you know I was able to you know get the help that I needed and the people come alongside of me when I needed family and friends and and uh you know and I was able to recover from that huge life upset but you know this idea let me just let me just unpack this for a moment This idea, this Western idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is a misnomer. No one can do that. I don't know if you've ever tried to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but it is physically impossible to do that. (laughs) You can't do it. And not one of us who've ever experienced one moment of success in our life did it alone. I don't care who you are. You didn't do it alone. You had a network of people, it might've been your family, it might've been your parents, it might've been someone else that helped you become who you are today. And so to put that expectation on people when they're down, when they're struggling, no, it's not appropriate, it's not right, and it's un-American.
2: Well, strong words, important words, and uh, and thanks for sharing your experience again, Dr. Phil. I, I, I very much respect that um, like you, uh, the people that we serve by and large are are doing what they can to put their life together. And I know that you're always gonna find people um, who struggle more than others, who you're gonna find lazy people in every walk of life. I've met rich lazy people and I've met poor <laughs> lazy people, right? It's not like you can pinpoint one segment and say, that segment over there, they're really lazy, but this, oh, they're really hardworking. No, they're everywhere, right? But that's okay, You know, that's only one of the myriad of things that can be possibly wrong with someone is they're not too industrious. Uh, So so the way the way we see it in food bank world is we say, if you're hungry, you only have one problem. And if you want people to solve the problems of their life, you've got to take that off the table. We've got to take hunger off the table. And the mass program, which we talked about in the segment and kind of described, is one of the most important ways that we're taking hunger off the table. I mean, one of our realities is the amount of food that's available for purely donation has not risen significantly in many years. In fact, it continues to shrink as food manufacturers and retailers and others figure out how to waste less of what they've purchased or produced. And that makes perfect sense. There's secondary markets that take a lot of surplus that used to be donated to food banks. That's That's good. That's driving the economy. There's nothing wrong with that. But what it means for us is we've got to dig deeper. We've got to look farther. And the mass program has been one of the most successful ways to drive, not free, but extremely low cost food through our networks and, and leveraging that along with the donations we get combined, developing the relationship with growers who really want to help, we end up with a lot of very affordable food uh, for the people who need it. And so we think of this as one of the miracle programs in the state. We can't imagine what we would do without it. And, and the other thing I just want to throw in is, it's healthy. It's food people want, and it keeps them healthy. I mean, there's so many positive benefits to the mass program besides the actual food. It's the type of food. It's the freshest, best, closest food that you can get anywhere. And being from an agricultural state, having a program that really takes advantage of what this state has to offer makes so much sense. Oh,
1: man, you're not kidding. That's very well said, Jerry. I mean, this is a... What you know? You think about the return on investment for this program. You know, just from the food bank council perspective, our average cost with mass is between 12 and 14 cents a pound. Come on yeah. now, that, that's that, that's being a pretty good steward of tax dollars right there. Uh,
2: well, and then and then it has a return besides on the food. You know, because helping those farmers cover costs that, that they sometimes have already recouped or, or not recouped, I should say. Right. They've already spent the money, right? right? They've spent the money and it's sitting in storage somewhere. And it's like, well, there's no market for this. What are we going to do? Well, why don't we step in? And also, you know, we talked about the, the uh, what did you say, cosmetically challenged. Right. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I will tell you this, we we say that, but but what we didn't say is how um, high the standards are for produce in the grocery store. When we say cosmetically challenged, I mean, you might be you're looking right at me, doctor. So I know the image in your mind is pretty severely (laughs) cosmetically challenged. But this produce that we get, if you looked at it, you might not even think it is cosmetically challenged. Right. It has to do with the size and the right. color so if you get a red skinned potato that's not red enough that's cosmetically challenged but if you saw that in our food bank it looks like a perfect potato oh sure and, and so much of the food that we get is just like that it you would not know the difference if you weren't the produce buyer for a major retail shop that says nope it's got to be this big it's got to be this color because that's what people will buy
1: well we got to take a break here jerry but the short answer is MASS, Michigan Agricultural Surplus System is a win for everybody involved from the state of Michigan to the farmer, to the food banks, to the people and the families that we serve. Michigan wins with MASS. And Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. Jerry Brisson and me, Dr. Phil Knight, we're back on Food First Michigan. And Jerry, I really like this show because it talks about a program that is so important to our work. And it really demonstrates the partnership we have between the Food Bank Council. It's a great example of a public-private partnership between the Food Bank Council and the state of Michigan, which includes the administration, as well as the legislature.
2: Yeah, I and, and I can't reiterate enough how important this program is to our food banks everywhere. Um, we take a lot of advantage of it. Uh, and we have gotten to know a lot of the growers that we that we talked about like irwin great people wanting to do the right thing always there to uh, to let us know uh, what more they can do when when we have the the resources to to bring to the program i mean you know the, the growing this program makes sense it makes a lot of sense and we would love to see it grow
1: well we are I and mean, we're asking the legislature to help us grow it Um, The return on their investment with us is spectacular. Uh, Again, our average cost is somewhere around 12 cents a pound. Just reminding everybody, it takes about a pound of food to make a meal. And so it's pretty significant um, impact. And then Jerry, really quickly, uh, we're kind of in a pinch right now too. And that pinch is going to continue through the first few months of 2021 where Several USDA pro- programs have been cut and stopped. That was supplying a lot of the food for us during the pandemic.
2: Yeah, oh, you know, 20-some million pounds fewer. 28 million, I think, is the 28 number. 28 million. Um, fewer for uh, the le- this next few months than we had a year ago. Um, there is some timing issue here. But there is also just a a natural reduction of of the amount of support that comes when you have these surges and and then, you know, a back to normal. So we just want to make sure that um, everybody knows we're not totally back to normal yet. We we still need to make sure that we're reaching all of the people in our state who are food insecure uh, as everyone has a chance to recover from the pandemic and the economic aftermath of it.
1: Well... Shortage of food being given to us from the USDA, but lines but lines are still long, yep. and they continue to be long.
2: Exactly well, right.
1: Well, time for a little food for thought. Hunger for children, food security for seniors is and should always remain a nonpartisan challenge. Republican, Democrat, and everyone in between should do what is necessary when it is necessary. To ensure the toxic stress of food insecurity is a thing of the past, not a thing that challenges us in the present or the future. Corporations, businesses, employers of all sizes, chambers of commerce, boards of education, and health care from payers to providers in every place in Michigan should stand with us to say enough is enough. No more worry about food no more patchwork fixes, no more blame, no more shifting responsibility. This is our problem to own and to fix. And as my mentor said, you are either part of the solution or you are the problem. So let's put aside all of our partisanship, our prejudices, our bias, our judgments, and join the Food Bank Council of Michigan in creating a Food Secure Michigan By putting and keeping food first, folks. Food first.
0: Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.